0: Resilient Solutions, Season 3, Episode 3, How to Deal with Old Wounds, A Biblical Perspective. If you're alive and breathing today, you are being bombarded with messages about trauma, all these different wounds and trauma and things like that. And people are talking about trauma like it's something new, but trauma has been around going back to the first part of the Old Testament when Cain murdered his brother Abel. It's not a new thing. But one of the trends I see is that we're leaning more and more and more on our trauma stories and not talking so much about the transformational outcomes of trauma, but more about being a victim of it. You don't have to stay there. And today, I'm going to give you a few biblical tools you can use to move through your trauma to a transformative, positive, productive outcome. In psychology, we call this post-traumatic growth. And you see this time and time and time in Scripture. Well, I'm glad you joined me today. My name is John Thurman, and I'm an author, a licensed mental health professional, and a work-life consultant. And my mission is to help you become more resilient in personal life, your relationships, your business endeavors, and in your faith. This podcast is sponsored by johnthurman.info, my counseling ministry link. Let's jump right in today. Hello, I'm John Thurman, and welcome to Resilient Solutions Shortcast my podcast that can provide you with transformational truth and tools and principles to make a big difference in your life. I love this quote from Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is Away, The Timeless Art of Turning Trials into Triumph. Quote, We forget, in life, it doesn't matter what happens to you or where you came from. It matters what you do with what happens and what you've been given. We're constantly surrounded by stories of trauma and bad times, And yet the truth is we're all wounded. All of us are broken. All of us have had bad things happen in our life. The issue is not so much the woundedness, but what are we going to do with it? Dealing with our woundedness is a skill we have to master. Failure to do so can lead to a horrible life of mental, emotional, and spiritual impairment. Being tied up in knots as as opposed to following the truth that Jesus offers, that he can make all things new, that he can be with us through those dark days and bring us to a better place. Well, at some point in our journey, we have all experienced some type of woundedness. It may be in a relationship. It may be something that happened to you in school. It may be some type of sexual trauma, combat, a business failure, a moral failure, maybe a relationship failure, any number of things. It can also be from just our own stupidity. The scripture talks a lot about the fool who does stupid things. matter of fact, the whole book of Proverbs is filled up with that. Well, today, I just want to address some things that you can do to deal with your woundedness. Now, the principles for everybody, but in this particular shortcast, I'm going to focus on helping men. Like I said, the principles to everybody, but I want to target men for just a little bit here and give you guys some hope to move through the stuff, to quit stuffing it and engage it and deal with it. Let's jump right in. Did you know that there are basically four reasons why guys don't want to deal with pain or their wounds? Well, let me give them two real quick. The first is cultural. The culture has trained us to believe that real men don't cry. The cultural concept of suck it up buttercup is predominant and something we have to push back on. When I was a young cadet, they used to tell us, when you're when you're puzzled or stuck, pause, take a swig of water and two salt tablets and drive on. Well, we don't do that anymore. I guess today would be pause, take a swig of water and drink your vitamins and do some deep breathing. But the culture does say, suck it up, real men don't cry, you got to be tough. So the second reason men don't deal with their wounds is masculinity is under pressure today. Current cultural nuances and innuendos of toxic masculinity in the media have scared a lot of our daughters and have caused many of our young men to fail to embrace their masculinity. And men who are masculine guys feel somewhat fearful that other people might think they're too much over the top. So we've got that going on. Thirdly, and I hate to say this because I'm a minister and have worked on multiple church staffs, some men feel that church life is completely irrelevant to their needs. Now, I know that's not true, but think about your worship services. In most worship services, there are love songs to Jesus, something that some men would have a hard time articulating. And in many times, the ministries and the focus is is really more on the feminine side of the house than the man's side of the house. I'm not saying that's true in every case, but in many cases there are. The solution for this is for men in church to stand up for pastors to lead out as masculine godly men. that doesn't mean you have to have tattoos, a beard, or harley. It means that you embrace biblical masculinity, which is modeled after Jesus, who was strong, who was competent, who was conviction filled, who was humble who was caring, who was comforting, and yet did not mind standing his ground and confronting wrong where wrong was. So if you're in a church leadership position, look around, do some evaluation, and see where your ministries are aimed at, what's their target, and how are you doing in those areas. Look around and see what you need to do to draw more guys in. Fourth, the fourth reason men don't deal with their wounds is because they don't have a support system. So they bury their woundedness. The results is a, v- a wide variety of addictive behaviors, drugs, gambling, sexual addictions, food, pleasure, drinking, spending. And on the other end of the spectrum, some guys become hyper religious. For many men, if this woundedness is not addressed, it will significantly negatively impact their lives and their relationships. Let's take a quick view at what the scripture teaches about trauma to the beginning of time. One of the stories is about. Jacob. Jacob was an Old Testament patriarch, and the, the dude was really kind of messed up. He was known as the deceiver or as a grabber. He and his mother colluded against his father and his older brother to get the family blessing. I mean, he was a, a sneaky dog. He was a conniver, a contriver, and just really the artful dodger, if you will. He just never took responsibility. Well, after that, he had to make a move. And while he was moving, he had to cross the property of his brother Esau. He was really freaking out about that too, because he knew Esau had every right to come after him. So what did he do? He, He tries to bribe his brother. He sends a caravan of gifts along with the women and children of his household. The plan worked, and Esau didn't have a big deal, but he did take the gifts and let him pass. Well, after that pretty difficult encounter, Jacob was exhausted, and something was fixing to change. Have you ever slept in the desert? I live in the Southwest, and we've got lots of desert around us, and I've spent a few nights in the desert myself. Sleeping in the desert is a mystical and awe-inspiring experience. When you're there on a moonless night, the size of the sky and the stars can be overwhelming, and you can feel pretty insignificant. And even when you feel insignificant, I know as a believer that even with the vastness of the universe, God knows my name. The vastness of the desert does so much to your heart and mind. With its sparse, beautiful landscapes, it makes you feel like you're in another world sometimes. Some people sleep in the desert to reconnect with themselves or to have some time away from everyday life. Others might seek spiritual enlightenment or insight or try to discover a peace that they can't find anywhere else. In Jacob's case, he was one exhausted desert dweller, and he had no idea what was fixing to happen. And this is taken from Genesis 32, verses 22 through 30. The situation left Jacob alone in camp, and a man came and rested with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you'll be called Israel because you have fought with God and with man and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means the face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been spared. As a result of that wound, his life, and our lives would be forever impacted because that name change was the basis of Israel. And his descendants, Jews, Muslims, and Christians are all the result of that night. Pretty powerful think about it, that that wound was a game changer for him. So how do we apply this to the 21st century? So many of our churches talk about great times and blessings and prosperity and just over-the-top stuff. And yet, when you hear a lot of these messages, you start to wonder, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not experiencing that. And you might find sometimes that what you're seeing and hearing in church doesn't necessarily match life. Now, while that could be on you, it could also be this picture we like to paint of everything's wonderful, rosy, uh, and just filled with optimism and accolades of victory and success. If you listen to that long enough, you're not experiencing that, you can end up feeling despair. Well, let me just encourage you here for a few minutes because there are some biblical principles you can use in the next two sessions or next two blogs and podcasts. I'll go into more detail. But in 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 6, this is the Apostle Paul, and he talks about being weary. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. He also reminds us that no matter what we face, God gives us the power and the will and the insight to remain resilient in every situation. But as you notice who brought on the encouragement? God uses people. He used Titus to encourage him, and we'll talk about that in a minute. The second thing is a mindset. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, the apostle Paul is writing to a church that's been under intense pressure and persecution. And this is what he said. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. So the second thing is a mindset. And that mindset is no matter what happens, God's love is still with me. Christ is with me. Christ goes before me. Christ is above me. Christ is beside me. Christ is behind me. Christ is beneath me. So let me finish that scripture. For I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, Not even the powers of hell itself can separate us from God's love. No power above in the sky or on earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the point there is, remember that God is with you. He has not abandoned us. I know sometimes I felt like I called dial a prayer and I got this response, the number of dollar of prayer is busy. Please call back later because we really don't care. It's not that way. God cares for us. Jesus walks with us. We have to embrace the journey and lean in. Someone said, well, what do I do with my trauma? What do I do with my hurts and my pains? Well, you try to avoid wallering in in the uh, pit of self-despair and you begin to move forward. What you want to do rather than running from it or trying to bury it, is to lean into it, to call it out, see it for what it is. Get some help if you need it. So what do you need to do? I know right now some of you may be facing some awful situations, but you have to accept that that's your reality right now. Once you accept that reality, you can begin to move forward. Once we accept the reality of a situation, we can begin to take personal action and responsibility to change it. Now, you don't have to do it on your own. There are people that can help you. There are resources there on the Internet and in books and things like that. There are therapists and other helping folks that can help you out. You see, it's not about being in denial, and it's not about blame shifting, and it's not buying into the current trend to be a victim of everything. Instead, it's about getting off your duff and taking some kinetic action to move forward. We live in incredible times, guys and gals. We really do, because there's so many resources literally available in your hands right now. Take advantage of them and lean in. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis from several years ago. He wrote it in the book, The Problem of Pain. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. Pain is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Strong words from C.S. Lewis. The Lord is more concerned about our character than our comfort. At times, he chooses to use calamity to refine us. As we wrap up today, let me just read James, the first chapter, verses 1 and 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that testing your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what do we need? We need people to encourage us. We need a mindset that we can overcome this with God's help, and we need to realize that the joy is in the journey. My name is John Thurman, and I'm a professional mental health counselor, work-life consultant, and coach. And if you've got some issues regarding how to deal with pain in your life, give me a call. I offer a free consult. You can call me at 505-343-2011. That number again is 505-343-2011. Or you can begin a chat through my website, johnthurman.info. Or email me personally at john at johnthurman.info. That's john at johnthurman.info. My name's John Thurman. You can learn more about me at my website, john at johnthurman.info. And let me remind you today that this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will make a choice to rejoice and be glad in it. Take care. God bless. See you next week.